It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Chris, you ever had the 911 accidental dial that Austin just did try to get you onto the air just now? You ever had that? Uh... Can't say that I have. No, no that's, that's a bad one. Not uh, one. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm fortunate not to have had to deal with that. This uh, is what's going to happen, Chris. Apparently, uh, they're going to try and call back. The line's going to be busy, and then they're going to send the SWAT team over. We're so in we'll see how it goes. Yeah, usually better uh, to just apologize and uh, rather than you know have to deal with potentially having your your building raided. <laughs> So, uh, Chris, let's start off talking about the Jazz. You'll be happy to know that uh, uh, Locke and some other uh, folks around here are, are picking up the cries for Rudy Gobert to be a part of the MVP conversation. How are you feeling about that? You feeling still good about uh, saying he should be part of the convo? Yeah, I mean, I felt it you know, a month or so ago as you start to see some of these numbers come together and the impact he was making on both ends of the floor – um, and, you know, the more the Jazz win, the the more enhanced I think his chances are. I mean, I, I still would make him more of a dark horse candidate. It's going to be really hard to overlook the numbers that are put up by Nikola Jokic and Giannis Tentacumpo. And you know, now that Joel Embiid is headed back, you know, what he does. Uh, but, you know, he, he's definitely in the conversation. And... You know, if the Jazz finish the season as well as they're playing right now, um, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting vote, I tell you. I mean, this, I think, is going to be the most fragmented vote we've had in, in a long, long time, at least as long as I've been uh, among the voters. It's just going to be, uh, I think, you know, a lot of candidates getting a lot of votes. Aren't a lot of people tired of voting for Giannis anyway? Well, I mean, it's it's that's kind of a polarizing position in some ways. I mean, I, I think that, there is such thing as voter fatigue. I don't think it should exist. Um, you know, if you're an MVP voter, you are required to look at this vote in a vacuum. And, you know, ignore what happened in the playoffs last year. Ignore anything that happened outside of, you know, just this this one season. And, you know, Giannis has, has missed a couple of games in the last couple of weeks. The Bucks have scuffled a little bit in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so that's sort of taken some of the – uh, shine off him but you know if Milwaukee finished the season as the top one or two team in the east and Giannis is putting up the kind of numbers he did last year while continuing to be a dominant defensive player you know you, you're gonna have to make a realistic argument that he's that he's not the guy uh no matter what you think about the idea of, of voting for him for a third consecutive time so I again it's just it's gonna depend what your flavor is really on in this vote um and, and that's why I think you're gonna see some some votes that are all over the place Chris, we're going to see the Mavericks tonight, and after a bit of a sluggish start, they seem to be playing better as of late. What is working for them right now? Well, Porzingis is putting up numbers, um, despite the fact that he kind of continues to get something of a bad rap. I mean, it, 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 he was his absence and at times inconsistency was a problem for this team early in the season. Um, I think they've leveled off in some key areas as well, whether it's three-point shooting. Uh, defense, they've started to climb in, in those respective rankings. Uh, and they started to play more like the team we saw at the end of last season. But the engine of this team still is 
you know, Doncic and Porzingis. And, you know, the big question with Dallas every single night um, is where does that third scoring come from? Is it Tim Hardaway Jr.? Is it, uh, you know, somebody else? I mean, they, they've oftentimes struggled when they've lost to find that third score. So beating them isn't really a question of slowing down Luka and KP. It's, it's making sure that nobody else burns you. Chris, as we've talked to you many times about, it's uh, it, it all depends on what the Jazz do in the postseason, right? That's where they're gonna they're really going to be able to establish themselves. I'm telling you right now. I remember two or three years ago when we were talking to you, and and we were uh, describing the Jazz as a team that lacked real stars, you know, in order to put itself in a position to do some good stuff for the postseason. And the, with the way Donovan Mitchell is playing, I mean, I've never seen him so relaxed. I've never seen the guy at uh, the level where he's at right now. So now we already talked about Gobert, but Donovan Mitchell is coming along too, making progress. They don't lack stars anymore. No, and you know Donovan's made incredible progress. Um, you know, j- just you know, getting. I was having this conversation actually recently with Mike Conley about the the evolution of Donovan, and one thing he said to me was, he's just this year more than last year he's getting to the spots he's what he wants to like if he identifies where he wants to take his shot from he's getting to that spot whether it's the three-point line mid-range in the paint whereas in years past or at least last season from Mike's perspective you know he wasn't always getting there and when you are able to get to your spot it, it just increases you know the likelihood the shot's going to go in increases your confidence it makes you a better all-around offensive player so if he's able to kind of make that something of a controllable where in the fourth quarter of games he's going to get to his spot, uh, that just makes him a, a much more dangerous offensive player. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know that you question the star power of the Jazz anymore. They may not you know, have the traditional star power with, where the numbers are put up like LeBron and AD or uh, the three guys in Brooklyn, but they have you know, at least two guys that are you know, elite at their respective positions. Excuse me, Chris. Uh, the Jazz will take on Phoenix uh, this week as well, and uh, Phoenix, I'm sure, gets a, a lot of the kind of attitude the Jazz do, where it's wow, it's impressive, but let's see what they do in the playoffs. A lot of people speaking like that. But what has worked for for Chris Paul? Or, or let me rephrase: Are you surprised that uh, Chris Paul has had the effect on that roster that he has? No, not really. Um, in part because this was. Uh, Suns team that was on the rise anyway. I mean, we saw in the bubble, the 8-0 record, they, they were really good. And, you know, the impact Monty Williams has had on that team, giving them the kind of stabilizing force or influence that they haven't had there. I mean, they have cycled through coaches and executives, you know, a lot of different people over the last, you know, five or six years. I mean, I think at one point, Devin Booker had like five coaches in five years. It was just a, a wild number. And, and Monty stabilizing that last season was the first real positive step in in that direction you know chris paul coming in merely you know added on to what was already happening there uh so you know his his chemistry with devin booker has been predictably really good uh, i think i've mentioned this to you guys before i mean deandre ayton you know when we talk about rudy as a dark horse for mvp deandre ayton i think is a dark horse for defensive player of the year he won't win but i think he's in that mix because of of his commitment to that end of the floor, you know, changing, you know, what the Suns are doing on that end of the floor. I think there's still a top 10 defense and has a lot to do with, with DeAndre Ayton. So, um, you know, again, you're right. Another team has to prove it in the postseason, even though a guy like Chris Paul has proven it, at least in a, 
a Western Conference level or conference level uh, in the past. So, uh, you know, they, they'll have to show some things. But, you know, right now they're, they're showing all the hallmarks of a team that, that should be really successful in the playoffs. We mentioned it to you before, Chris, about, I think, about what Doc Rivers said when he was asked who the best teams yeah. in the West were. We could go, he said the Clippers and the Lakers. You know, uh, when I think about that, I understand him saying that. But, I mean, you, we already talked about the Jazz and the Suns, but I think the Nuggets are going to be really dangerous, too. The, are you really sold on the Clippers and the Lakers if the Lakers get healthy? Or are you, are you thinking maybe so, – uh, let me ask it this way. Would you bet against the field? Or would you bet uh, that the Lakers or the Clippers will win the West? Well, assuming health, I'd still bet on the Lakers. I don't care if they're the number 10 seed going into the playoffs and have to play in that play-in tournament to get in. I'd still bet on them. I mean, you know, LeBron and AD are, are who they are. But Drummond's going to be really good for them. I mean, Drummond, you saw in spurts early in that one game that he played, you know, whether it's shot-blocking, rebounding, you know, you know, causing havoc at the rim with defenders having to alter their shots. Uh, he was showed he's a willing passer at times in in that situation. He's an upgrade for them, no question. Uh, that's that's nothing against Marcus Saul, but he does different things than Marcus Saul. So having him there makes him uh, makes them a lot better. And as long as you get two or three weeks of LeBron and Anthony Davis back in the mix, it, it's hard to bet against the Lakers because they before all this they were really good. Dennis Schroeder is really good. Uh, you know they're 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 great. Um, so I, I'd probably take the Lakers over the field at this point if I was a betting man. Clippers still, I mean, you know, the Rondo you know, uh, acquisition I think will certainly help, especially if playoff Rondo shows up, as he has often done, including last year. But there's still a team that has to show me mental toughness before I pick them to win anything. I mean, they, they got punched in the mouth last year, and they folded. And that's not the first time a Clippers team has has done that in, in a situation like that. So until we see – that kind of mental toughness, I'm not, I'm not sold on the Clippers being the, the same level of championship threat as, as the Lakers are. But the Lakers, to me, would still be you know, the most formidable team out there, regardless of where, uh, where they finish. It would almost be a shame for, for the Jazz if they finished finish the top seed to wind up staring down a healthy Lakers team in the first round of the playoffs. That would just probably be everybody's worst nightmare in Utah. Chris, I, I think we ask you about this weekly, but uh, are the Celtics going to turn it on? I feel like a, a team with that kind of talent shouldn't be 500. Well, they're starting to. I mean, the last couple of games have been really good for them, um, albeit against Houston, who everybody kicks the crap out of, and you know Charlotte, uh, which has been banged up. Uh, you know, Two things you like about Boston. One is Robert Williams is starting to show that Clint Capella-type level of skill. Uh, he's he's a floor, uh, a rim runner, a shot blocker. He's he's really cut out of that Capella, DeAndre Jordan mold. In the last month, he's starting to to showcase that potential on a more consistent basis. And the other is Evan Fournier. I mean, I I said this to you guys before. I mean, I love the trade for Evan Fournier. The first couple of games, he looked out of sorts, but beginning in the fourth quarter of the game against Houston and extending into that game against Charlotte, he started looking like Evan Fournier. He was making, I think, he made like ten three pointers in a row or something like that. Uh, so he's you know starting to get comfortable in that Celtic situation, and if he can make shots like that, you know they're going to be a lot better. Are they still are they on the level of Brooklyn and Philadelphia and Milwaukee? No, I don't think they're there yet. But uh, you know I think the Celtics can get things rolling a little bit over this final month if if the two guys I mentioned continue to play at this level. Uh, we talked about the Nuggets a second ago, Chris. They've won five in a row, and they're eight and two over their last ten. 
What do you make of uh, them as a, as a playoff threat? Uh, they're, I mean, they're as legit as anybody. It, it, I mean, it's hard to handicap who the, the toughest teams are in the middle of that pack, whether it's Portland, Denver, uh, the Clippers. I mean, there's just, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of parity, or at least close to parity in the NBA and the Western Conference playoff field right now. And, look, Denver, I think, you know, they're going to be tougher in the playoffs because of that Aaron Gordon trade. I mean, they're going to have another body that they can throw at, whether it's Kawhi or Paul George or LeBron or anybody else, you know, across that Western Conference that fits that 3-4 mold. Uh, Aaron Gordon's going to be useful in that respect. And Jokic, he's just not slowing down, guys. He's, he's been playing great all season long. And, you know, he's probably going to come real close to averaging a triple-double this season, which is a pretty significant accomplishment no matter what you think of how watered down a triple-double has become so you know they're 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 tough i just don't know how to i don't know how to handicap it like it's just you know it's whether it's it's one guy being more consistent an injury here or there um it is a going to be a wide open western conference playoffs i think and um it's gonna be fun to watch i think from the first round on you know the the play-in scenarios uh chris do you think that we'll end up getting these permanently what do you think about them yeah, I love them because it gives you more intrigue in the final month of the season, and it uh, stops some teams from maybe tanking. You only see kind of a handful of teams doing that now. Whether it's you know Orlando just you know trading away any guy that Steve Clifford might want to play, or uh, you know Oklahoma City just brazenly shutting out Horford down. That was a pretty bold move there. Um, you know, there's a handful of teams doing it, but. For the most part, you've got you know Sacramento playing hard now. Maybe they wouldn't be if there wasn't a playing tournament at stake. Uh, Eastern Conference, you got same thing with Chicago fighting, you know, for that ten spot. I mean, there's yeah, I think the playing tournament or game or whatever it's going to wind up being is a plus for the NBA. Now there will be some tweaks to it, you know, moving forward. You'll see maybe just a play-in game as opposed to you know multiple teams being involved at the end, uh, and maybe you have some situation where a team has to be within one game of the eight spot to qualify for the play-in just to not water down the regular season too much. But one way or the other, it's been a huge positive for the NBA, and I can't see it going away. Chris, a lot of good coaching going on out there right now. Do you still favor, or I don't know if you ever favored him, but do you think Quinn Snyder might win that Coach of the Year award? I think he's got a strong case. I haven't thought too much about, you know, who deserves it at this point. I mean, Monty Williams will have an argument. Tom Thibodeau, I think, has a really strong argument. Uh, yeah, it's another one of those, like, oh, God, all the awards races, except for maybe six man, I think Jordan Clark is going to win that pretty convincingly. Um, I, you know, except for, for that, I, I think there's going to be a lot of, of really tight votes in the end of the season awards, and, and Coach of the Year is among them. I mean, Quinn – Quinn's case is consistency. Really, Jazz, besides, outside of some brief stumbles after the All-Star break, have been remarkably consistent all season long. And that's, that's a credit to Quinn Snyder as much as anything. Plus, I think, you know, I do think you have to factor in everything that's happened over the last year for the Jazz when you're considering the case of Quinn Snyder. I mean, you can certainly argue they righted the ship in the bubble and got all the drama from last March over with. But I'm, I'm sure there were some things that the Jazz needed to get past in order to, to move forward, you know, to start this season. And I think Quinn has to get some credit for that as well. So I, I don't know if, how you put it, put it down. Do you make him the, the front runner, the favorite? He's certainly among the top three or four, that's for sure. And uh, I think we'll have to see how the regular season plays out before, before any, uh, any resolution is there. Chris, thank you as always. Have a great week. 
You got it, guys. Our friend Chris Mannix, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, joins us each and every Monday. You know, one thing that comes through loud and clear when we're talking with Chris about what's going on in the West is it's going to be crazy. It's, uh, the playoffs are going to be crazy when you look at the caliber of teams there. I don't know if you agree with him about uh, he'd take the Lakers over the field. Do you? Uh, no, not at the moment. Yeah. We'll see how that team gets pieced back together. But, uh, it I mean, I look at these teams in the way playing, and, and I don't dismiss the Suns. I, I You know, it's, it's easy to just go Clippers-Lakers if you want to. But, I mean, the Blazers are tough. The Nuggets, as we talked about. The Suns, the Jazz. I mean, this is going to be a lot of fun uh, as we see this uh, shake out. I like the uncertainty, man. I get tired. I mean, are, are, is Doc Rivers always going to pick the Clippers and the Lakers every year? I mean, it's, it's good to see some fresh faces, some teams that are making progress move into situations or positions where they might be able to do some stuff. Of course, the rank and file aren't going to believe until they see it happen in the postseason, but doesn't mean it can't.